You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. I've strongly been feeling as we've head into the new year that God doesn't want to keep us where we're at, but he wants us to move forward in him. And uh, before Christmas, we, we did a series on the Holy Spirit and uh, that hasn't shaken from me. I still have a heart and a hunger that his spirit would move in this place. And uh, I know that we can't just put it on. And I don't want to just put it on. I don't want to pretend that something's happening that if it's not. I want something genuine, something real of God moving in this place. And I pray that even going forward, that every Sunday, it's a joint effort. As a collective group, we say, God, we are hungry for your spirit. We're hungry for you to move in our midst. And to have the gifts of the spirit in operation isn't just one person doing it. But actually, it's as a body, us coming to the Lord and and being vessels in which he can work through. But as we've headed into this new season of uh, a new year, uh, one of the things that I really, really sense the Lord challenging me in and challenging, I believe, us as a church in is the area of faith. Moving in the things of the Spirit, having his Spirit come, there's an element of faith that is required in all of that. We, We prophesy in proportion to our faith. We see that in, in Romans. There's a, there's a sense that we need the Holy Spirit to move in us, but we also need to take steps of faith because it doesn't just happen. I've discovered in, in our Christian life, nothing that's, um, nothing that's supernatural just happens. Often there's steps of faith that we are required prior to those things happening. Any of the great stories you've heard of, of great things happening around the world, or missionaries doing amazing acts, even what's happened in this country, George Mueller, what happened in that kind of scenario, there was amazing faith that was at work that attracted the presence of God. And to me, I think as I've headed into this new year, I've just, uh, I, we shared in our prayer time, we shared in the prayer time uh, a couple weeks back about in Hebrews 11 verse 6, that without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe he exists and he will he rewards those who earnestly seek him. There's a sense that he, it's impossible for us to, to come before him and just want him, but, but not have an aspect of faith in, involved in the process. And there's, there's a passage of scripture in, in, in Romans 1.17, which is also in Habakkuk 2.4. 2, it says, the righteous will live by faith. The sense of living by faith is, it's not just putting faith in Jesus at one point in your life when you were a child or when you were a teenager or some point along the journey, but it's actually this aspect of the righteous will live on a daily basis by faith. We'll, we'll live it, we'll, we'll walk it, we'll breathe it, we'll, we'll, um, go from day to day. And yet, when we look at this aspect of faith, faith is this kind of a bit of an obscure word, isn't it? It's not a word we, we tend to use in everyday language. You don't talk about faith Usually in, in, uh, in your workplace, normally, unless you happen to work for a Christian group. But you, you, don't, you don't usually talk about in that kind of terminology. And yet, the Bible is so great because he gives the, the Bible gives us a definition of faith. And it's a well-known passage in Hebrews 11.1. 1, it says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And this whole passage, when you keep going through Hebrews 11, it starts to unpackage different people and how faith is exercised, what it looks like, what it looks like in practice. And so there's these two components of faith that are part of this one passage. And the first one is being sure of what we hope for. Hoping is always something that's future-based, isn't it? We don't hope for yesterday. 
I hope yesterday was really good. Well, no, it happened. But we hope for things in the future. And to, to be um, sure of what we hope for is the things of, of our salvation. It's the eternity with God. It's, it's God providing. It's God fulfilling His promises. It's, it's looking at what God says and saying, that is to come. And I can be sure of that because God said it. And it's future-based. It's not now, but it helps me move forward in my, my walk with Him because I'm sure of what I'm hoping for. Do you know what you're hoping for? You know, sometimes it's easy to live without hope. You live in your circumstances. You live under your circumstance. But you know what? The promises of God are always there to give us hope for the future. And when we can take hold of what God has says in His, His Word and we can grab hold of these things, when God begins to speak, we can, we can move forward because there's a hope of knowing we're certain of what we're hoping for because of what He said. Right? We can be certain of it. We can, we can know it in our hearts and we can understand it. But then there, the second aspect of it is certain of what we don't see. There's things that we're certain of even though none of us can see it. As an example, in this room, there is oxygen. I guarantee it. I can, can't prove it, but I guarantee it's here. How do I know it? Because we're all breathing. Right? There's an element of oxygen in this room that's keeping us all alive. We don't see it, but we're certain it's there. Gravity is another unknown mystery. But I know it's happening right now. We're under the force of gravity because we're not floating around in this room. We're not like Mary Poppins. We're not floating in the rafters while we laugh. But we're, we're seated here because gravity is at work. We're certain of that. Even though we don't see it. We have faith in gravity because it's constant. It's always there. You know, God, we can be certain of His presence in our lives. We can be certain that He's there because there's something in our spirits that recognize that we're His sons and daughters. There's something that confirms it in us. And we can be certain that His presence is with me. And it helps me. It's, faith is being certain of those things we don't see. I know often when we, we, talk, we, we do Alpha, we, we, do, we talk about Christianity. And sometimes there's this element of just being certain of the things we don't see because our minds don't always comprehend God. Because God is not something that is a statue or is a, a figure or something in the tangible, in the tangible world or in the physical world, but it's in the spiritual dimension that we understand it and we can be certain of it even though we can't see it. And so there's these two elements of faith. One is being certain of what we can't see, but the other side of it is being sure of what we hope for looking forward. And so we can be certain about our walk with God, but we also can be certain about His promises for the future. And because of those two things, faith is a byproduct of those two things. Being certain and being sure. Certain what we don't see, sure of what we're hoping for. The two put together, the, 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 the result is faith in us. Now, again, going back to this passage, the righteous will live by his faith. Will live by the faith that... We live out. How does this work? How do we live by faith? What does it look like? Maybe you've been a Christian a long time. What does it mean today to live by faith? Being sure of what you hope for and certain of what you don't see. How does it, what does it look like? See, there's this understanding, there's this whole thought of living is an active thing. It means I'm making decisions based on faith. What God is saying and not what my own logic says. 
Right in 2 Corinthians 5 says, it says, we live by faith and not by sight. What's interesting is, how many of you have been to Africa? A few of you. Okay, fantastic. I have not. But in Africa, so I've read, there's an animal called the impala. Anyone seen this animal? Okay, a few of you. Good. I don't even have a frame of reference in my head as to what this animal looks like. But it's a great quote, so I'm going to read it anyways. The Africa impala can jump the height of over 10 feet and cover a distance greater than 30 feet. Okay? So the Africa impala can jump 10 feet high and in that arch cover a distance of 30 feet. That's pretty extraordinary. Reminds me of my high jump days. No, it doesn't at all. <laughs> yeah. I was not good at any of those kind of jumping games. Anyways, uh, yet these magnificent creatures can be kept in enclosures at the zoo with a three-foot high wall. Why? Because the animals will not jump if they cannot see where their feet will fall. Okay? Faith is the ability to trust what we cannot see. And with faith, we are freed from the flimsy enclosures of life that only fear allows, uh, allows to entrap us. You see, sometimes I think life is all about knowing where our feet is going to land. Right? And we make decisions based upon knowing if my feet are going to land in a safe place. And so because of that, there could be a little enclosure around you. And that fear of not quite knowing what's on the other side of that fence. If we really take that jump, what is it going to look like on the other side? That fear stops us from reaching our full potential. Again, the impala can jump 30 feet in distance, 10 feet high, but a three foot high fence will keep it enclosed just because it can't see where it's going to land. So it won't do it. Even though it could be released from the wonderful zoo and head into middle of London where it's completely free. Right? I think there's a movie about that. Madagascar. You see... Life is about making decisions constantly, living in a place where we constantly are making decisions based upon what God is saying in our hearts, what God is saying in His Word. It often goes contrary to what our logic says is the right way to go. I remember when uh, Don and I first got married and really felt God's call in our heart to, to mission. And uh, we, I had already spent a year in Holland and it was now... God was, we got married and been in Canada for a year and really felt I, we needed to return to Holland for, for a, a season. And, uh, I rarely remember God speaking to me that we were just to go and not ask for any money. Okay. Now I remember my pastor sat down with me and said, Tyler, you need to really talk to churches. You need to raise the support. It's only the wise thing to do. And I said, but you know what? I really sense God saying I shouldn't ask for money. Then my mum, the big guns, pulled, you know, she's, she's, uh, she's a believer, and she said, you know, I believe in faith and the whole thing, Tyler, but you've now got a wife. You need to be responsible. You can't just go on mission and not raise your support. You, you need to be thinking about this through. And I remember having a very strong discussion with my mum, as you do, um, about, about what it means to trust God and be, how, illogical it sometimes feels and again I was very young at this stage and so my mom you know uh, she she's walked with God a long time and from her rationale it did not make sense missionaries normally raise support we were not wanting to do that and 
so at the end of the day, because it was our lives, we just did it. Anyways, we just went and uh, we, we boarded the plane, sold our stuff in Canada. We've done this a few times. Went on to, to Holland, not asking any for, for any support. And our church, I think, maybe initially felt the responsibility of like, okay, they're going. They are going. They're not asking for money, but we better support them. So we... Um, we, we left, we, we got to Holland and the church said, yeah, we'll, we've decided we're going to support you. And uh, that was fantastic. I didn't ask for it, but that's great. Thank you. Um, but then about three months in, I got, a, I got a phone call from the treasurer, which is never a good sign on the missions field, right? If you've ever been on mission and the treasurer of where your money's coming from calls you, it's usually not a good sign. And he says, really sorry, but uh, we've had a bit of a change of heart. Um, and some problems were going on in the church. Kind of things happened while I was, while we left. And uh, we can't support you anymore. Oh, okay. This is, uh, ups the game now. <laughs> we're here. <laughs> um, but again, going back to the original word of, I, I needed just to trust God. We, we're just going to trust God. You've called us. You're going to provide. And, uh, we were young and foolish enough just to really go with it. Um, I, I, some ways I wish I could just jump back there in my mind because sometimes life experiences can help work against you. But at that moment, I just, Don and I just praying that God, you've called us, you're going to supply. And so in those days, it was before the era of internet. Can you remember that time? How many of you remember a time when there wasn't internet? Only, you know, there's some people that didn't put up their hands. That's amazing. That's amazing. I remember when there was no internet. Oh, wow. I couldn't go back, but I do remember that era. I remember when fax machines came out, and I thought that was a really cool thing. You could send a piece of paper somewhere else in the world. How did that work? Anyways, that's sidetracking. Before the era of internet, I did not... We, we, there was bank machines, though, and they actually had currency at that time in my life. We lived in Holland, and they had bank machines, cash points, and uh, we had a bank card from our bank in Canada. And uh, whenever we needed money, we just went to the, the magic machine <laughs> to take money out. Um, the problem was is that they would post us our bank statements. And because of snail mail back in the day, our bank statements arrived like two months after the fact. So we never knew really what was in our account. And so um, we, we, so we were three months in and uh, we needed money. And so rent and every three months we had to pay our gas bills and, you know, all as you do, kind of living life. Every month our costs were different. We didn't have two months where the costs were the same. And so every, every time we needed money, I just went to the cash point, prayed, hoping there was money in my account. And there was. It was really good. Again, I just wish I could go back there at this point because now I know too much in the sense of I, I have internet banking. I always know it's in my account. We, we, we came to the end of the year, and uh, I looked at all of my bank statements. I put them out on the floor, and I, just, I was just curious to see what it all looked like. And I realized, no matter what we took out of our account, at the end of the month, there was, oh, it was within $20. For an entire year, I don't even know where the money came from. I really don't. To this day, angels could have been depositing money into our account. Now, it's a miracle I wish could have continued on with my life ever since, but it hasn't happened that way. But can I just say that when we trust God in this way, when we take Him at His word, when He says things that even other people think, that is illogical. Do you know what? The miracles happen in that zone. 
When you say, God, you've said it in your word that you will provide. You won't let the righteous be forsaken. You will, you will walk with me through the, the challenges. I'm going to trust you. Do you know what? We see the miracles happen on the other side of that step. The other side of that decision of saying, okay, God, I'm going to put you at your word. I'm going to take it. I'm going to take you at your word. That moment in our life was a huge faith builder. As we looked, I remember Don and I just looking and thinking, this is absolutely incredible. How could this happen? People didn't know if this month we had to spend an extra 300 pounds, but there was an extra 300 pounds in the account just that month. And we, all, we, we couldn't have known otherwise. And what was very interesting is at the point that God called us to go back to Canada, the money stopped. Abruptly. Honestly. God spoke. And I wasn't so keen on this idea of going back to Canada. And this, is, this is another side of the story. At the end of the year, it was time to go back. But I had in my heart, we were staying. And uh, I remember at the point after hearing the word that we were to go back, I really, I, I wrestled with that. God, no, I feel like we're to be here long term. And the next month, month, I went to take money out for rent and there was no money. Literally, it stopped. Just when God is in control and we work to his time scale, not ahead of him, not behind him, but with him, we move in the realm of the extraordinary. That's the area I want to live in. I believe that's the area when, when we see the righteous will live by faith. This is a zone where miracles happen because he's in control. We're putting in ourselves in a position where unless God comes through, it's all going to go pear-shaped. And again, I, I've been with so many people that have chosen to go on mission trips, even though they didn't have money. Yet God, God's brought the provision. I'm sure there's a number of IBTI students who've shared the story of choosing to come to college even though they had no money. And yet God somehow comes through. And so it's making decisions by faith and not by sight. The second element is believing God for impossible things. I think sometimes our Christian walk is brought down to the possible. We believe God for the things that are possible. Whether God comes through or not, we have a very low bar. And I believe living by faith brings the bar up saying, God, you are the God of of the miracles. Your, your kingdom is, is powerful. Your kingdom is, is beyond our imagination. You can do more than we could dare to dream or imagine. You're, you're bigger than all things. And I think our expectation, our, our hope, our, our, our perspective needs to shift that we're believing God for impossible things in our lives. Not just accepting status quo. It's very easy as, as people just to accept status quo. This is how it is, guys. Church has always been like this, so it's going to continue like this. No, it shouldn't. Because his word says something different. My family's always been like this. Well, do you know what? Let's believe for something different. My husband's never known the Lord. Well, let's believe that he'll come to be, be saved. You know, my, my, my kids are this way. Well, do you know what? Let's believe for this. There's so many situations that we, we, we look at and we, we see and... It's, it's, it's easy to just accept the lowest common denominator. And yet, George Mueller said this. He says, faith does not operate in the realm of the possible. There's no glory for God in that which is humanly possible. Faith begins where man's power ends. Faith begins where man's power ends. Man, I, I pray as a church we move into that zone where our power ends. And we move into a realm where God does the extraordinary. But I know it doesn't just happen. 
And I know even as a leadership team, as we were talking this last week um, in our meeting, there's a challenge as we start to make decisions that are outside our comfort zone of what's possible, budget-wise, and, and looking at, at what can we do. It's so easy to stay in the zone of what is possible. And yet Matthew 17.20 says this, Matthew 17.20. It says, he replied, because you, you have so little faith, I tell you the truth. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Again, I don't think Jesus was necessarily speaking about physical mountains. But it was speaking about situations, speaking about problems, speaking about obstacles. And saying, even if there's a little bit of faith, even if we move in a small area of faith... We can move into the realm of the impossible. And righteous people live in that zone. I've seen mountains move. I don't know about you, but I know I've got some mountains in my life that I'm believing to be moved. How many of you got mountains? Okay. Most of us have mountains. We need God to stir our faith to move those mountains. To see the miraculous in those situations. To believe again that God can do greater things in our future than what we've seen in our past. But then the third part of this equation of living by faith is obeying God even when it seems illogical. Do you know what? Faith is, the, 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 faith is on one side of it, which is kind of a, a spiritual element. But obedience is, is, is a physical element of faith. You can't have faith without obedience. Abraham believed God. And it was credit to him as righteousness. But how did he believe God? He obeyed. In fact, we can read this back in Hebrews chapter 11. Verses 8 to 10. It says, By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. How many of you kind of set out in your Christian life and had those moments where God calls you onto a journey where you don't quite know where you're going. Again, probably before the area of Satnav and the rest of it, Abraham set out on a journey not quite knowing where God was taking him, but knowing that God has spoken and he was just going to obey. You know, here's the element. This is the, this is the zone, I think, as living by faith we need to get to where we just simply obeying his voice for our life, not always needing to know where we're going. And I find the older I'm getting, the more I find myself in the camp of needing to know where I'm going. And I find that is a tr- that's a challenge. When I was younger, and maybe probably to the, to the frustration of my mother, you know, I didn't need to know where I was going or what would happen in the future. But now that I've got a family, I've got kids, this whole element of looking at where this is going to all end up becomes more and more important. And yet, Abraham, even though he had all of these things, was able to say, I don't know where this is going to lead God, but you're saying something, so I'm just going to follow you. I'm just going to say yes to your voice, and I'm just going to go. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him to the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. You know, it's very interesting about this passage is that Abraham chose to leave the settled home environment of his home country, homeland, 
to live in tents somewhere else that he never actually in his lifetime received as the inheritance, but was the promise for the future. In fact, it was hundreds of years later, it became the fulfillment of that promise. You know what? I think even the steps that we are taking, we might not see the fulfillment of the faith steps that we're taking, but we're paving the way for future generations that who will come after us, who will walk in that blessing and walk in the fulfillment of our faith. I pray that that's awake behind me. I've carved away like Abraham did, like Isaac did, like Jacob did, who continue to listen to the voice of God, follow in that path, and we sit in the blessing in the, of that faith years ago, thousands of years ago now. We still sit under that blessing because of their faith. I believe our life, each of our lives, doesn't just affect us, but every time we walk in a place of faith, we are opening up the doors for someone else in their future, in their destiny. As a church, if we choose to move forward in the area of faith and choose to make decisions that are not man-led, but God-led, I believe we open up the door for His kingdom to expand that will outlive us. I pray the church outlives us. But in the future, they'll look back to this time and say, do you know what? That set a precedent for Burgess Hill, for Sussex, for England. These people that just believed for impossible things. And now we live in a wake. We live in the blessing of a, of a heritage of people who trusted God, took Him at His word. And now we see miracles as the norm. And not as this rare things that happens in Bethel or happens in Africa somewhere or happens in Asia somewhere. But actually, miracles in His power is just something that's normal because it's His kingdom. And we were audacious enough to believe God for the impossible. Be sure of what we hope for, certain of what we don't see, and living in a state where we make decisions not based upon our eyes, but based upon His Word and what He's saying to us today. I don't know what 2015 holds. I really don't. But I pray that God, and I believe God's stirring it in my heart. And if it's going to be stirred in my heart, I believe it's going to be stirred in all of our hearts. To get outside of our comfort zone and move forward hearing His voice. And I know it's a time of stretching. Every time God calls me to a step of faith, you know, it's never easier. I've discovered it's never ever easier to step out in faith. How do you discover that? It's never easier. It's always that same gut-wrenching, is this the right decision? Oh, what if I get it wrong? It'll all go pear-shaped if this is not quite right. But you know what? I've, one thing I have learned with age, the older I get, is that God also promises He works all things together for good, who love Him and are called according to His purposes. So even if I don't quite get it right, He'll turn it all for good. That's the promise. When my heart is for Him and His purposes, even if I don't quite make it up, or don't quite... Make the mark in the sense of hearing his voice. You know, if my heart is for him, he will still work it for my good. And so in essence, if you put it all together in scripture, we can't go wrong. Isn't that a great promise? If we step out in faith, we won't be forsaken. If we trust him, we'll please him. It'll attract his spirit. He'll move. Even if we don't quite hear right, he'll still make it for our good. So what have we got to lose? Our comfortability. Our status quo is what we've got to lose. But I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm ready to press on towards the goal in which He's called us. Not settling for this, but continuing to keep my eyes upon Jesus to what He's called us into. 
I believe God calls us to faith in every aspect of our life to fulfill our destiny. And so faith isn't just something we see in the church, but faith is also something we see in the workplace. Faith is something we see in our families. Faith is something we see in our finance. Faith is something we see in our health and our relationships. Living by faith is every area of our life saying, God, what do you want to do here? What do you want to do here? What is your will in this circumstance? What, what is it you're, you're wanting to do there? And so in every area of our life, we're, we're, we're living by faith. Faith is not just something we do on a Sunday. Faith is something we do Tuesday afternoon in your workplace or in your home environment or wherever you find yourself. So a couple of final questions as I close. How is your faith being challenged? How, how, are your, how is your faith being challenged right now? And I, I think there's two kinds of faith, though the Bible doesn't say it, so this could be completely wrong. But maybe I've discovered it in my own life. There's a reactionary faith that when we face something that we didn't expect, we have a choice as to whether or not we put our trust in God or just become fearful. Again, the doctor's report or a bank statement at the end of the month or whatever it is, well, we didn't quite expect that to happen in life. The curveballs of life. And you have a choice at that moment. Do you trust God? Do you put your faith in Him? Or do you let fear take over your heart? God calls us in those moments to live by faith. Then the other side of faith is being proactive. When God calls like Abraham, Abraham was settled in his own homeland and God said, I want you to go over there. I believe that's kind of proactive faith. Choosing to step outside of where you are to journey in the direction that God calls you to. You're making a choice to walk by faith. You're not forced into it because of a situation. The last question is, do you live by faith or are you directed more by your sight? And I think, as I said earlier, the older I'm becoming, the more I'm aware that my sight can often take the precedent in my heart. How I make decisions is often based more upon my sight. And I do feel God challenging me that that would change, that this year would would become a, a shift that again... In many ways, I would return to my youth in just making decisions based upon what God is saying and not based upon what I always see. I don't know where you fall in the whole spectrum of things today, but I believe God is up to something. And whenever he's up to something, he invites us to join him. He never does anything alone, but he he calls us to be part of it. And I know a few weeks back we, we signed up, we put ourselves forward saying we're, we're the Lord's this year. But I, I think in this area of faith, it's, it's something that to journey forward is a, is a commitment that we're, we're saying, God, I, I want to listen to your voice this year. And I pray you help me to be obedient to whatever you say. I really don't know what decisions we're going to need to make as a church yet. But I do believe God is speaking now in my heart about faith. And all I know is at some point, somewhere down the line this year, something's going to be presented in my heart or in our hearts that's going to challenge us to live this out.
And I think God just speaks in advance to us to ready our hearts so we're ready. It doesn't catch us by surprise, but we're readied because we, we've, we've, we've listened to his voice at this point. And so today, I guess in response to this, if, if you're saying, you know what, I, I want to be someone who's living by faith and not by sight, I want you just to stand with me. And we're going to ask that God would expand our capacity to trust him for the impossible. If, you, if that's you today, I want you to stand with me. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church passionately loving God and people in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.